0: Hi, my name is Althea, and this is the Clean Your Room podcast. This is Season 1, Episode 6, and I'm recording this on Wednesday, the 3rd of February, 2021, in Los Angeles, California. We made it to February, everybody. Today, I'm going to skip the usual pleasantries and get right down to the topic, which today is going to be books, books, and more books. And this this episode is probably going to be part one of many episodes about organizing books. I actually have a lot to say about books because I used to be a Borders bookseller for over a decade. I met my husband at Borders. I met about 50% of my friends that I still have at Borders. Um, I estimate I've probably acquired 50% of all the books and media that I own from Borders, even though it hasn't even been around in in a decade now. Uh, Now, if you're thinking to yourself, but I don't have any books or I don't have enough books to worry about organizing them, that's okay. You can actually apply many of these organizing techniques to other media items you own like DVDs or CDs, um, even other just categories of stuff that you have like clothing, um, I think you could apply in general um, these organizing techniques. Uh, Also, if you're the kind of person that has shifted to mostly digital media, I will be doing also another episode in the future about all about organizing your digital media, including ebooks, TV, movies, etc. Music is probably a big one. Even your podcasts. <laughs> we, I, we'll I get around to that eventually. Uh, generally, the organization techniques that I put forth can loosely be applied to everything from food to toys to cosmetics to clothing. Uh, first, I do want to address something. I know that Uh, Marie Kondo and her Komari organization method come up fairly frequently on the show. Uh, In case you're one of those people who has heard of or read think pieces about how she recommends keeping no more than 30 books in your home. Granted, that story is actually pretty old, and I haven't read one of those think pieces for a couple of years now. Um, If you were one of the people that balked at that take because how dare anyone tell you how many books to keep in your home, it's okay because I don't think that's truly what she was saying. Um, I mean, she's an author herself. I would assume that she would like people to have her book in some form. Uh, Definitely, if you're doing the Kanmari method correctly, the usual rule applies of asking yourself, does this spark joy? And if not, then let it go. So as a book hoarder, and particularly one that doesn't read every single book that I happen to own, uh, I find that's actually very useful to be able to go through that kind of purging activity every quarter or so. I probably acquire a dozen or so books per month, whether they're purchases or promo copies. It just doesn't make sense to keep so many books when the space that I have is finite, And also, I get a lot of joy from acquiring more books. It's actually harder for me to feel that joy when I have nowhere to put my new books and the shelves are a mess and one space is being taken up by books that I don't feel like reading anymore. So I make a point of donating, swapping, reselling, or giving away books that no longer bring me joy. It makes me feel a lot better about bringing new books into the home. That said, I actually haven't been able to get rid of much the past year. It's all being held in boxes under the dining table, and I do look forward to things reopening safely someday so I can share them again with people who can appreciate lovely books. So for books and media organization today, we're going to talk about sorting, saving, and shelving. That's just the bare minimum I can talk about where books are concerned. If I try to talk about this more, this episode would be three hours long. So I'm just going to come back to uh, other related topics in another episode. So sorting, saving, shelving. So let's talk about sorting. Sorting books or any collection items into categories has to be your first step to rearranging them and storing them properly. For example, the standard way that libraries and bookstores are organized are first by subject, and then typically by author, then by usually alphabetical by title or numbered if series books are numbered. Uh, This is typical and there are a lot of various ways to categorize. So if you're just organizing a home library, you can delineate these subjects however you want. Uh, Just make sure that it makes sense to you and that you make a definite choice like this item belongs in this category. It can't belong to more than one because your item can't be in both places at the same time. You you just have to make a judgment call. Uh, That said, subject, author, title, or series isn't the only way to organize and categorize books. You may categorize some things by size because they won't fit on your regular shelves. Some things might be oversized, like coffee table books, and you might want to store them in a different way. Like I store my oversized books uh, underneath one of my side tables in the living room. Uh, Some books might be really tiny, like mini or gift books. Uh, There are also people who like to categorize their books by color, which isn't as crazy as it might sound. I, for example, am really not opposed to bicolor book arrangement because I have a really good visual memory and I can usually remember what the book covers look like. The most important thing is actually being able to remember what color the spine is. The spine of the book uh, is what's going to be showing on the shelf most of the time. Uh, and there's a pervasive, <laughs> there's a bookseller librarian humor i guess it's a joke or not really a meme because it was before memes existed uh which is that some customer or patron will come in with no other information than that they remember the cover is blue they can't remember the author the title what it was about but it was blue and three weeks ago it was over here um so i was a merchandiser at borders and i was really good at that game uh I really kind of miss it actually being called over by someone going like, hey, do you know what book th- this person is talking about with this minimal you know, visual information that they can provide? Uh, it's, it's also what makes the rainbow spine method of organizing your library something that would work really well for me, but it might not work well for everyone. It's just something to keep in mind. Uh, and then basically this kind of like categorized or sort by color, uh, methods of organization. You can really apply to lots of things. Uh, you can apply this to clothing, shoes. Uh, I don't know. You, if you think about certain categories of stuff that you might need to organize that these things apply to, let me know. (laughs) And I might mention that on a future episode of the show. Um, Then, too, as far as categorizing, you might decide on chaos. No no categorization as your method of organization. I've actually done this, too, and it's kind of fun to look at, but it's not super great for if you want to be able to find something very quickly. Um, Unless you have, like, a a photographic memory and really good recall of, like, I put this thing there uh, just because it looked nice there. Um, If you often have trouble finding things, particularly if your collection is so vast that it lives in different places in your home, uh, it really helps to have a system instead of going with chaos. Uh, For example, today was World Read Aloud Day, and my friend, who's an author-illustrator, Tina Kugler, uh, she challenged me to post a video of me reading out loud from a book, which I did. And the book that I wanted to read was about cleaning an organization. Uh, I knew I had a copy of it because I went to an event for Live Talks LA a couple of years ago. Uh, was, the book was Kiki and Jax, The Life-Changing Magic of Friendship by Marie Kondo and illustrated by another friend of mine, Selena Yoon. And I knew I had it here in the apartment somewhere because I have a system, uh, which is the subject alpha by author, uh, alpha by title, I knew exactly where to find it. I went to my picture book section, which is four shelves in the living room bookcase. I found the author's last name, K for condo, and there was my book. Uh, You can still watch my world read aloud video on IGTV on my Instagram at Clean Your Room Podcast. I'm going to try to post it in a couple of other places too if I can. Something to remember too is that sometimes you won't have enough of a particular item type or book to make an entire section or shelf for that category. That's okay. What I generally will do in that situation is fold in a small topic with a larger one. So for example, I do not currently have very many books on writing anymore. I used to have more. Uh, I think I have most, at most right now, I think I have about six that are writing related. So instead of putting them on a completely separate shelf and then wasting all the space, because that's like the entire category, I'll put them next to uh, other general nonfiction books uh, that I have about a related topic. For example, um, I have a few books that are about creativity and brainstorming. And that kind of, to me, subject-wise kind of goes together with uh, creative writing. Um, Another thing I could do would be to gather the blank books and pens that normally I would use to do some creative writing if I weren't doing most of it on the computer currently and put those together on a shelf. So you could kind of consolidate your storage and have related items together, even though they're not all quite the same. Uh, And then I think I touched on this in a previous episode, but um, if you have, you know, things that completely aren't books, but they just go kind of topic-wise with the books that you are shelving, Uh, if you, say, have a bunch of Star Wars books and you have some related action figures or vinyl toys from the same, why not put them together and make a little display with the books and toys together? I really like doing those because they're fun to look at and they're fun to compose like a little vignette or display with the items that make sense together. Uh, The same if you have CVDs or CDs or records and memorabilia related to the same thing, you might wanna consider breaking them out of the main storage that you have for that type of item and put them on display together. Um, You could hang them on a wall if they lend themselves to that format, or you could put them on a shelf or table as a display or decoration. So this brings me to the next topic, which is saving. And what I mean by saving is that you have to take into consideration the item in your collection and its sensitivity to damage. So books, for example, they would be extremely sensitive to sunlight, heat, or fire. You do not want to set your books on fire. Um, water damage, uh, pets that might chew on them, uh, children that might rip the pages if they're young enough, um, and so forth. A lot of that is going to depend on what the item is and what your storage circumstances are. I know for me, when I moved back to the Philippines after high school for a few years, rodents were a big, big concern. Like there would be mice and insects in my parents' condo that loved to eat paper and glue. (laughs) I mean, I don't blame them. Books are great. They are delicious. <laughs> but oh my goodness, that was quite a challenge to save my precious books from getting eaten by rats or getting infested with silverfish. Ugh. Um here actually in Los Angeles, the most damage I usually have my books sustain is sometimes one or the other of my cats might take a liking to the corners of a book and use it as a scratching post or sort of like a teething or toothbrushing thing. I actually have a book or two get damaged like this every year, which is a darn shame. And that's, you know, that's really on me usually being careless of where I put it. Most of the time, it's just something that I left it sticking out on the shelf or I placed it under a side table when it should have been properly shelved and protected and out of their way. Um, Another thing to consider is if you're kind of mixing your storage and you have houseplants or an aquarium or scented candles or an oil or wax diffuser or a humidifier or some kind of bug catcher if you're, you know, becoming a houseplant person like me, um, just make sure that the moisture, heat, light, and other elements from these aren't going to damage your stuff. Uh, Sometimes the cords get in the way or like are draping over something. You don't realize that it's creating a dent or tear in something else that you have on the shelf. So just be careful. Uh, Sometimes we put things together because they look cool. And then a few days, weeks or months later, realize we were slowly rotting or burning or denting something that actually we really wanted to keep pristine and safe. Now, I'm not saying you need to plastic wrap or box up every book that you have as precious. I'm just saying, be aware of the possible consequences. Um, location is also something to be really aware of. So that to me, that's uh, my problem usually. Why do I keep putting picture books down where the cats can chew them? Uh, it's just something that I really need to watch in the future. And so actually this brings me over to a tangent topic, which is earthquake safety. And if we're gonna talk about that, we might as well start talking about the third topic I have, which is shelving. And actually we'll take a break really quick for an ad and I'll be right back. Okay, so back to shelving. Once you've sorted your collection, books, DVDs or whatever, and chosen a method of organization, then assess whatever your concerns are in your home, um, where the safety of your collection is concerned. So light, moisture, heat, dirt, pets, kids, etc. Uh, we come to the final stage, where and how you are going to store your collection. So for most books and media, shelves are going to be the most efficient way to hold your collection. It makes things easy to find, um, and You know, that's really kind of the format uh, for most of these things. However, shelves aren't all made equally. Some shelves are shallow, some are deep. Some really are for maximizing storage. Others are more for show. Uh, Some are super sturdy and heavy and can withstand a lot of weight. And some are flimsy and meant to be more of a display than they truly are made for storage purposes. Uh, you're going to have to weigh your style preferences against the function that you need to get out of your shelves. And you need to make sure your collection is going to fit. A big consideration is how much space do you have versus how much stuff you have to put away. What size are your shelves compared to the size of the items you're storing? Are the shelves adjustable? Uh, Are the shelves deep enough to double or maybe even triple stack? Uh, For me, since my book collection is pretty large, I usually have to double stack. And that means to use a layer of books to hide another layer of books behind it. Um, I sometimes also will shove books on top of those. Uh, I will post pictures of that on Instagram. Uh, A couple of elements that I do consider when I do this are, does this method of storage put me in danger of being crushed to death by falling books in an earthquake? Uh, Or is the furniture properly anchored and far enough away from where I should be standing, sitting, or lying down that I can consider it a safe arrangement of my stuff? So that's my tangent that I am going on. Thanks, actually, to Jen for asking uh, for suggestions on earthquake-safe organization. I'll do an episode in the future that is much more in-depth on that topic But if you live in an area like we do in California, where earthquakes or other such natural disasters may wreak havoc with your stuff and your furniture, please consider how to organize your items in the safest manner for you and any other people or pets in your household. Uh, For my shelves, for example, Uh, If they're over waist height, they're all bolted to the walls with either a furniture strap and or concrete screws. I really like Ikea furniture uh, for this because most of those things like Ibar and Kalax either come with a furniture strap in the set already. Or um, if one is missing uh, from the thing that you need to strap to or screw into your wall, you can usually ask... um, at their customer service department for it. I don't know about now, I actually haven't been during the pandemic, but usually little things like that, you can just ask them for. Um, I also make sure to arrange heavier items at the bottom of a bookshelf and keep softer, lighter items on top that I won't be too worried about if they fall off and bonk me on the head. So like, I tend to keep books on the bottom and yarn on the top. Uh, if I'm going to mix things in in a bookshelf. If you have floating shelves, I highly recommend using something like museum wax or a removable, repositionable putty like poster putty to hold hard items in place, and to try avoid to try to avoid putting breakable, heavy items on shelves without attaching them with wax or putty. Uh, floating shelves look really cool. We've had them before. We don't have any right now. They aren't great for holding a ton of weight. So for my large book collection, they're not super functional. Um, So if you are concerned with earthquake safety, I would keep things light or even consider placing them lower to the ground. Not so low that your kids can climb on them and use them as a bench or something like that. Uh, But low enough that something heavy like a book falling isn't going to have far to travel before it hits the ground. And just consider not putting it like directly above a sofa or a chair or uh, where your children play or a bed. (laughs) Like consider um, putting it over a space where uh, maybe there's something that can just catch the item as it falls off. Um, Speaking of looking really cool, like floating shelves do. What if you have a lot of space and your books are falling over? What a nice problem to have. Uh, You might consider getting bookends, even just the super plain metal bookends um, that you can get at Office Depot type places will keep your items from toppling over and getting damaged or getting creased covers. Uh, You can also take advantage of that space to face out your books. Now this is bookstore jargon. We would take a book that we have multiple copies of and turn them cover out instead of spine out so that you can see the pretty cover. Now, unless you're an author, you're unlikely to have multiples of the same book to face out, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. You could put other books back there sometimes. uh, Like if I have a series by the same author and the books are all the same size, I'll usually face out that way. Um, Or maybe there's a book cover that you love and you have the space you just have, happen to have the space to put on display, go for it. Um, it's your bookshelf. You can do what you like. Uh, there are also small easels made of wood, plastic, or metal that you can get to display your book face out. Sometimes I'll do that if I have a book that I'm accessing a lot, like working on a project and I keep referring to it and I don't really want to like reshelve it. Um, but I don't want to just leave it lying around on the table either. So sometimes I'll stick it on easel and put it in front of its section. Uh, just make sure that when you place your item on the easel that the item isn't getting damaged. So sometimes books will get little divots on the front from the feet um, or on the bottom from the feet of the easel that keep it from falling over. So just consider um, what you're doing. Another thing to think about is that maybe your items need special storage. For example, if you collect comic books, comic books are usually stored in a very specific way to keep them as pristine as possible. Um, Usually there's a a board involved to keep them flat and a plastic sleeve to keep them clean. And they're usually collected in boxes that are sized to keep them upright. Um, Consider that the reason you might not want to store books or comic books on their side is uh, because the pressure of books and comics uh, on top of others may cause weird shaping of the paper. Like they might cause things to curl or uh, bend or for spines on books to break. You might have items that are better off stored in a protective bin instead of just lying on a shelf. Uh, For yet other collectible items, you might consider a specific album or container like boxes, or binders for cards, CDs, DVDs, and games. Lastly, you might consider that you no longer need the physical copy of a specific item in your collection, and you might be able to let that go. Uh, or purchase a digital version of the book or media item to replace the physical item that you're giving away, selling, or donating. I actually do this quite frequently as ebooks or audiobooks go on sale items where I don't feel particularly attached to the item, so like, not a book that's signed or in any way is special, Um, but the content is good enough that I think I might want to revisit it at some point in the future. Uh, Again, a big benefit of this is being able to let go of physical copies. Um, the, The benefit is that you make room in your home to bring in and experience something new, something else that's exciting, or something that you can learn from. So I actually have a ton more to say about book storage. Uh, For example, I could go on for an hour or more on reading your collection, uh, adding to your collection, uh, repairing damaged items, keeping your collection pest-free... Um, keeping track of what you have in your library, etc. But I'll be honest, I've had a rough week this week, and I just haven't had as much time to prepare for this episode as I wanted to because I had some back pain issues earlier in the week. Don't worry, my back, in particular my shoulder, which I've had problems with on and off for several years, are already feeling lots better. It's just a matter of time and rest and ice and heat to get everything back in working order. So make sure you subscribe and come back soon to hear more about book organization. And if you have questions or or a particular cleaning or organization topic that you would like me to cover, please do reach out. You can leave me an audio message or send me an email. You can find the links to do that and all of my social media on cleanyourroompodcast.com. You can also email into info at cleanyourroompodcast.com. Again, you'll find the link to that. Uh, and how to send an audio message and all the rest of the links that uh, I have mentioned and will mention at cleanyourroompodcast.com. If you take photos or videos of your space before and after organization and would like to share them with the rest of the audience, please use the hashtag cleanyourroompodcastchallenge to share these on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow me on both platforms at cleanyourroompodcast. Again, still trying to figure out the TikTok. I actually joined a Facebook group just to learn what the heck I'm supposed to be doing on there. Uh, still taking suggestions on that as well. I'm also on Twitter as Fruitjuice, that's F R O O T J O O S. We also have a Clean Your Room podcast Facebook page and a Facebook group. If you'd like to discuss, ask questions, or share your cleaning challenges, Uh, You can find links to that from my social media profiles, Linktree, and CleanYourRoomPodcast.com. By the way, I'm also participating in the Family Handyman 7-Day Organizing Challenge. I skipped day two because I don't actually have a garage. Um, but And I'm behind on day three, but hopefully I'm going to get caught up tomorrow, which is day four. Uh, so check out the website, familyhandyman.com and look for their organizing challenge. You can find them on Instagram at familyhandyman and the challenge hashtag is hashtag challenge. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so in a variety of ways. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can rate or review the show. Or you can make a monthly contribution through our anchor.fm page. You can even shop from our bookshop page, which also supports independent bookstores across the country with every purchase. Uh, find us at bookshop.org slash shop clean your room podcast. And I'll be adding new books on there every week. Kiki and Jax is already um, on the first uh, list of my favorite organizing books up there. Uh, Clean Your Room podcast is hosted and produced by me, Althea Alluring. The original opening music is called Bubble Guts, also composed by me. The podcast logo was illustrated by Ashlyn Anstey. You can find more about her artwork and writing at That's AshlynA.com. That's A-S-H-L-Y-N-A dot com. This episode was sponsored by and produced on Anchor.fm. Thanks again for listening. This is Althea signing off and reminding you to clean your room.